There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of the Cult Popshire podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshire. Hey, what's up everybody? This is AJ just coming at you at the start of the show to let you know that this episode is a little bit creepy and a little bit scary. We read out some scary stories and because of that, uh, I did want to just put a content warning up the top in case some of the following content disturbs you. Uh, the first story, the first creepy pasta we talk about is called Squidward Suicide and as expected, it uh, deals with the topic of suicide it's pretty fanciful and pretty cartoony but if that is the kind of thing that upsets you there are time codes in the show notes of this episode letting you know when we talk about which creepypasta so you can skip through if you don't want to hear that one but as i say it's pretty cartoony i just wanted to put something up the top in case people weren't really expecting or wanting to hear about the following topics but other than that uh it's a pretty fun episode and i think you guys are really going to enjoy it as we enter into the spooky season pleased to present for your consideration aj richard and jess three podcast hosts from the island nation of new zealand Halloween-related content and creepy stories is what the audience wants, and creepy stories is what they'll get. Soon, the most haunted internet stories and folklore will descend on our listeners like a series of sequels with diminishing returns. In order not to be crushed, our listeners will have no choice but to face their oral terror and make their way through the spookiest ravioli, the most terrifying spaghetti, another world that we call the Creepypasta Zone. Nice. Woo! Hype is real. I wrote that <laughs> when I was waiting for you to show up because we agreed to do this to start recording like thirty minutes ago, and then <laughs> uh, actually, I think it was forty-five minutes ago. AJ, <laughs> uh, welcome along to the first spooky twenty twenty Cole Popshire podcast. Um, this is this is our spooky tradition, and and what better year to do a spooky tradition than the most nightmarish year of of my life? <laughs> hey, it's not all bad though, is it? <laughs> no, it's not all bad. Um, you know, for every Rick Moranis getting punched in the head, there's uh, Donald Trump getting coronavirus, yeah. which look, I understand it, it could be seen as as um a bit foolhardy to to make jokes about Donald Trump dying of coronavirus when he very well could die. So let me just say on record, 
Um, I hope he does die, and if he dies, I will still make fun of him for <laughs> dying of coronavirus, just to wow. just to avoid any confusion or, or you know clear up any any grey areas there. Well, I mean, while while I don't think um you know you should wish death on anyone, um the idea of him suffering greatly is very mm. funny. We could do we could go <laughs> Batman Begins logic where it's like I don't have to wish you dead, but I don't have to wish you get better. Yeah, mm. you know. Jess, yeah. what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, sucks to suck, Trump. <laughs> he's gonna listen to this and he's gonna be like, "Oh God, <laughs> everyone's so mean to oh, me." Oh, my favorite podcast. <laughs> Damn it. So, what we are gonna be doing for the first episode of our our Spooktober series, I guess, tradition that we do um every year or have did last year, and we're doing it again this year, is we thought it would be fun to um dive into the somewhat inconsistent um sometimes scary sometimes not scary world of creepy pastors now do you guys know what a creepy pasta is or where the terminology comes from uh it's like penne and um fusilli right spooky mm, scary spooky spaghetti mm. yeah mm, spaghetti yeah. it's like alphabet pasta but with spooky things it spells out boo yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, That's look it. at my alphabet. <laughs> it says, ooh. <laughs> Peter, those are Cheerios. Remember Family Guy? <laughs> Love it. Love <laughs> Family Guy. Love we, didn't, we didn't talk about on our Godfather episode. We didn't talk about the Godfather no, joke in Family Guy, which I think yeah. is one of the funniest Family Guy jokes there is. And it's um, also like a world breaking moment in the series. Is it? Yeah, because. Um, so the Joker to referring to is that it's a moment where they're all about to die, and Peter says that he doesn't care for the Godfather because it insists yeah. upon himself, and yeah. Stewie says something about it being amazing, and someone acknowledges what Stewie said, and it's the only time right, in the yes. series, or it was at least up until that point, where it's confirmed that everyone could hear Stewie. Uh, such a mystery. Um, anyway, well, uh, a spooky are- mystery. A, spook, very a baby that you can't understand. <laughs> and and so a creepy pasta is like a scary version of a copy pasta, which is a bastardization of the early internet vernacular copy paste. Essentially, they are scary stories spread across the internet. Um, I have a fondness for creepy pastas. Um, a lot of them are real bad, and we've picked a few today that um, are kind of tangentially. Well, two of them are definitely pop culture related and the other one is pop culture related in the sense that it exists as a piece of pop culture (laughs) (laughs) um so we'll we'll look into that um i i recommend dear listeners that you listen to this episode at night um in the dark if you can because these these will be spookier in the dark. We're not record. We're recording at uh, five p.m. on a Saturday, and it's. I don't think either any of us are going to get very scared um, listening oh. to these. Look, we've got the curtains closed. We've set a mood. Okay. Mm. All right. We do okay. have the lights on though. Can you put like um, a, the sound of a crackling fire under this podcast? That's a good idea. I did make a video essay years ago. If I'm if I may, Richard and Jess, I actually think it's one of Colt Popsh's most underrated pieces of content, which was a you may wow. not yeah an, an analysis of creepy pastas where I talked about how I thought it was cool that we have this whole genre of scary story that 
is so based in internet interests and culture so like a lot of them are about cancelled tv shows or they will use the internet itself as a narrative device as we'll see in some of these um stories i'm I'm about to read you guys because we were going to do one each and that at some point got changed to aj do you just want to do it well because because you were like because uh, i was like oh we could do something about creepypasta and you're, and you're like uh, i want to read this 11 page story i don't care what you guys do um and then it was like well you know i, I would probably only pick like a one or two page one but um i also just wanted to put minimally fit into this podcast and i'm i feel like i'm still bringing that in there yeah too. jess is lying down I'm literally lying she's not even supporting right her own here we'll post we'll post a picture on our instagram of our podcast setup today because i think it is it's, it could be the future of podcast setups. I would love to be lying down <laughs> well, when I record. I, yeah, I feel like maybe I am living the spooky pasta life because <laughs> I just woke up from a two-hour midday nap and my dreams horrible. were really fucked up and really horrible and I feel like I've wo- woken up changed. So A um, midday nap should never be longer than 20 minutes. Oh, I, yeah, I made a big floor by doing that and um yeah so all right yeah but well uh, I, I listened back to last year's spooky podcast on fan theories and conspiracy theories urban legends rather than and it was just me talking the whole time so i true. was like you know this one could just be aj talking next year it'll just be jess yeah 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 i what? agree all right <laughs> so let's dive in um essentially what this podcast is going to be is me reading you a story and richard and jess making fun of me as i read it um hopefully it won't be too universe or immersion breaking because um i would like this to be somewhat scary i know some of these stories are quite chilling um so the first one we're going to start with uh is a little creepy pasta called squidward suicide <laughs> Oh, I'm scared already. Have either of you heard or read Squidward's Suicide before? Yes. No. Jess? All right. This well. is a true story, Jess. Oh, Sit I'm back. Spooked. I'm so spooked. <laughs> Sit back. Relax. Fucking lie down, even. <laughs> lie down. Um, do not fall asleep because this Freddy is a spooky story. Yeah. All right. So I don't know. Whatever you want to do to make make this scarier, maybe you, maybe we can start talking slower and maybe. You can be. You can lie in bed with the fire crackling, or we'll just put it in this. Your fire beard is on fire. That's <laughs> that's beard is on fire. All right, here is Squidward's suicide. Um, there is no authors for a lot of these. My understanding is that uh, they do not have authors. They're written anonymously on message boards. Yeah, because the spookiest thing is anonymity. Yeah, agreed. So. Um, if there are, if I do find authors, I'll put them in the in the show notes below. But here we go. Here is Squidward's suicide. Um, I guess trigger warning for. It's to be honest, for the Spongebob suicide Squidward. part is pretty. It's pretty. It's not really what's scary about it. It's it's mm. like a small part of it. So, um, if that's the kind of stuff that upsets you, it is only a small aspect of it. Squidward's character in itself, I feel like, is spooky just as it is because it's a view into how we're all going to turn out as adults yeah well or how we have turned out as adults that is true <laughs> we're all squidward mixed with a bit of another spongebob character but predominantly squidward why, who, why like each of the three of Ooh. us are i would say i'm squidward with a dash of spongebob richard is squidward with a dash of mr Krabs. <laughs> yeah i agree and um jess is squidward with a dash of 
uh, either Sandy or Pearl, one of the only um, female characters on the show. <laughs> with, with a dash of Gary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Alright. <clears throat> I just want to start off by saying, if you want an answer at the end, prepare to be disappointed. There isn't one. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> Why are we bothering? I wasn't... I was an intern at Nickelodeon Studios for a year in 2005 for my degree in animation. Internships? Horrifying. (laughs) It wasn't. Think you're going to finish the sentence? (laughs) Fuck you, you have another thing coming. (laughs) It wasn't paid, of course. Most internships aren't, but it did have some perks beyond education. To adults, it might not seem like a big one, but most kids at the time would shit themselves over it. Now, <laughs> it's so immersion breaking to tickle well, to say that. Shit themselves. Now, <laughs> like you're around the campfire, it's like you would literally shit your fucking pants. <laughs> <laughs> Since I worked directly with the editors and animators, I got to view new episodes days before they aired. I'll get right right to it without too many unnecessary details. They had very recently made the Spongebob movie and the entire staff was somewhat sapped of creativity, so it took them longer to start up the season. But the delay lasted longer for more upsetting reasons. There was a problem with the Series 4 premiere that set everyone and everything back for several months. Me and two other interns were in the editing room along with the lead animators and sound editors for the final cut. We received the copy that was supposed to be fair of a Krabby Patty and gathered around the screen to watch. Now given that it isn't final yet, animators often put up a mock title card sort of as an inside joke for us, with phony often lewd titles such as How Sex Doesn't Work instead of Rockabye Bivalve, I don't know what that means, Um, when Spongebob and Patrick adopt a sea scallop. Uh, nothing particularly funny but work related chuckles so when we saw the title card Squidward's Suicide we didn't think it was more than a morbid joke one of our interns did a small throat laugh at it the happy-go-lucky music starts as normal the story began with Squidward practicing his clarinet hitting a few sour notes like normal we hear Spongebob laughing outside and Squidward stops yelling at him to keep it down as he has a concert that night and needs to practice Spongebob says okay and goes to see Sandy with Patrick. The bubbles splash screen comes up and we see the ending of Squidward's concert and this is where things begin to seem off. While playing, a few frames repeat themselves, but the sound doesn't. At this point, sound is synced up with animation, so yes, that's not common. But when he stops playing, the sound finishes as if the skip never happened. There's a slight murmuring in the crowd before they begin to boo him. Not normal cartoon booing that is common in the show, but you could very clearly hear malice in it. Squidward's in full frame looking visibly afraid. The shot goes to the crowd with Spongebob in centre frame, and he too is booing, very much unlike him. (laughs) What is odd is everyone had hyper-realistic eyes. Very detailed. Clearly not shots of real people's eyes, but something a bit more real than CGI. The pupils were red. Some of us looked at each other obviously confused, but since we weren't the writers, we didn't question the appeal to children yet. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Just watching this and being like... Oh, I guess kids would like this, but I'm no expert. Who am I to question? I'm a mere intern. <laughs> a mere I intern. shan't question it. 
The shot goes to Squidward sitting on the edge of his bed looking very forlorn. The view out of his porthole window is of a night sky, so it isn't very long after the concert. The unsettling part is at this point there is no sound. Literally no sound. Not even the feedback from the speakers in the room. It's as if the speakers were turned off, though their status showed them working perfectly. He just sat there, blinking, in the silence for about 30 seconds. Then he started to sob softly. He put his hands, in parentheses, tentacles, over his eyes <laughs> and, and cried quietly for a full minute more, all while a sound in the background very slowly grew from nothing to barely audible. It sounded like a slight breeze through a forest. The screen slowly begins to zoom in on his face. By slow, I mean it's only noticeable if you look at shots 10 seconds apart side by side. His sobbing gets louder, more full of anger and hurt. The it's interesting that at the screening they were able to look at the shots 10 seconds apart side by side. I think he goes back and looks through it. Ah. <clears throat> Why didn't he specify in parentheses? Tentacles. <laughs> I love that because copy creepypastas are like shared around and probably edited each time they posted. I wonder if the hands tentacles thing was like it came and in edit? later yeah. where someone was, was copy pasting it and then was like oh fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just quickly definitely. fix this up. <laughs> um, the screen then twitches a bit, as if it twists in on itself for a split second, then back to normal. The wind through the tree sound gets slowly louder and more severe, as if a storm is brewing somewhere. The eerie part is the sound, and Squidward's sobbing sounded real, as if the sound wasn't coming from the speakers, but as if the speakers were holes the sound was coming through from the other side. Which I guess is more or less what a speaker is. (laughs) As good a sound as the studio likes to have, they don't purchase the equipment to be that good to produce sound of that quality. Below the sound of the sick burn on Nickelodeon. Below the sound of the wind and sobbing, very faint, something sounded like laughing. It came at odd intervals and never lasted more than a second, so you had a hard time pinning it. We watched the show twice, so pardon me if things sound too specific, but I've had time to think about them. After 30 seconds of this, the screen blurred and twitched violently and something flashed over the screen, as if a single frame was replaced. The lead animation editor paused it and rewound frame by frame. What we saw was horrible. It was a still photo of a dead child. The fuck? That doesn't sound like something that would happen in Bikini Bottom. (laughs) They haven't specified if it's more realistic than CGI. (laughs) He couldn't have been more than six. The face was mangled and bloodied, one eye dangling over his upturned face, popped. He was naked down to his underwear, his stomach crudely cut open with his entrails laying beside him. He was laying on some pavement that was probably a road. The most upsetting part was that there was a shadow of a photographer. There was no crime tape, no evidence tags or markers, and the angle was completely off for a shot designed to be evidence. It would seem the photographer was the person responsible for the child's death. We were, of course, mortified, but pressed on, hoping that it was a sick joke. The screen flipped back to Squidward, still sobbing louder than before and half-body in frame. There was now what appeared to be blood running down his face from his eyes. The blood was also done in hyper-realistic style, looking as if you touched it, you'd get blood on your fingers. 
The wind sounded now as if it were that of a gale blowing through the forest. There were even snapping sounds of branches, the laughing, a deep baritone, lasting at longer intervals and coming more frequently. After about 20 seconds, the screen again twisted and showed a single frame photo. The editor was reluctant to go back. We all were, but he knew he had to. This time, the photo was that of what appeared to be a little girl, no older than the first child. She was laying on her stomach, her barrettes in a pool of blood next to her. Her left eye, too, was popped out and popped, naked except for underpants. Her entrails were piled on top of her, above another crude cut along her back. Again, the body was on the street and the photographer's shadow was visible, very similar in size and shape to the first. I had to choke back vomit and one intern, the only female in the room, ran out. The show resumed. Woman. Jess, do you need to leave the room? I'm already gone, man. <laughs> um, this is ta- this is taking a dark turn. You I feel think? like you can't you make fun of it at this point. Yeah. Uh, they should mm. call this copy pasta a creepy. Oh, they do. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> About five seconds after the second photo played, Squidward went silent, as did all sound, like it was when the scene started. He put his tentacles down, and his eyes were now done in hyperrealism, like the others were in the beginning of the episode. They were bleeding, bloodshot, and pulsating. He just stared at the screen as if watching the viewer. After about 10 seconds, he started sobbing, this time not covering his eyes. The sound was piercing and loud, and most fear-inducing of all is his sobbing was mixed with screams. Tears and blood were dripping down his face at a heavy rate. The wind sound came back, and so did the deep voice laughing, and this time the still photo lasted a good five frames. The animator was able to stop it on the fourth and backed up. This time it was a photo of a boy about the same age, but this time the scene was different. The entrails were just being pulled out from a stomach wound by a large hand. The right eye popped and dangling, blood trickling down it. The animator proceeded. It was hard to believe that the next one was different, but we couldn't tell what. He went on to the next, same thing. He went back to the first and played them quicker, and I lost it. I vomited on the floor. The animating and sound editors gasping at the screen. The five frames were not as if they were five different photos. They were played out as if they were frames from a video. We saw the hand slowly lift out the guts. We saw the kid's eyes focus on it. We even saw two frames of the kid beginning to blink. The lead sound editor told us to stop. He had to call in the creator to see this. Mr. Hillenberg arrived within about 15 minutes. He was confused as to why he was called down there, so the editor just continued the episode. Once a few frames were shown, all screaming, all sound again stopped. Squidward was just staring at the viewer, full frame of the face for about three seconds. The shot quickly panned out and a deep voice said, do it, and we see in Squidward's hands a shotgun. He immediately puts the gun in his mouth and pulls the trigger. Realistic blood and brain matter splatters on the wall behind him and his bed, and he flies back with the force. The last five seconds of this episode show his body on the bed on his side, one eye dangling on what's the left side of his head above the floor, staring blankly at it. Then the episode ends. Mr. Hillenberg was obviously angry at this. He demanded to know <laughs> obviously what the hell was going on. Because he, he people... was like, this is supposed to be just after the movie, mm. and Hillenberg left, <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, come back and have a look at the first batch of episodes post movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, most people left the room at this point so it was just a handful of us to watch it again viewing the episode twice only served to imprint the entirety of it in my mind and caused me horrible nightmares I'm sorry I stayed 
The only theory we could think of was that the file was edited by someone in the chain from the drawing studio to here. The CTO was called in to analyse when it happened. The analysis of the file did show it was edited over by new material, however the timestamp of it was a mere 24 seconds before we began viewing it. All equipment involved was examined for foreign software and hardware as well as glitches, as if the timestamp may have glitched and showed the wrong time. But everything checked out fine. We don't know what happened and to this day, nobody does. There was an investigation due to the nature of the photos, but nothing came of it. No child seen was identified and no clues were gathered from the data involved nor physical clues in the photos. I never believed in unexplainable phenomena before, but now that I have had something happen and can't prove anything about it beyond anecdotal evidence, I think twice about things. Alright. Let's analyse it. Um, Okay. Okay, everyone, thoughts, feelings. Do you think it happened? <laughs> I don't, but I think it's a great example of, of uh, the genre of creepypasta, right? Because it's like... It it's starts a, off as just like, oh, here's like a, a thing that could have feasibly happened. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's about a, a TV show that a lot of early internet users would have been really fond of. And it's yeah. it goes into detail to describe really specific kind of like creepy 4chan-esque imagery that you know yeah. like realistic eyes and stuff i think i think that's what's so creepy about creepy pastors is they they describe things a lot more um intimately and realistically than like a novel does like it's just getting to the point and it's so it's like a bit scarier yeah it's like if a 12 year old kid was in his year nine creative writing class and he was like oh i'm gonna write something real cool this is the sort of thing that he would write yeah. Mm. Um, there is an image that's like commonly associated with this, and it's like it's the thumbnail for the story yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Uh, I've just sent it to you guys oh. so you can have a look. Um, if you, because Jesse might not have seen it before. Um, and so it's a it's a black and white shot of Squidward. It's got the uh red kind of bloodshot eyes, which are like have bleeding mascara, um, <laughs> kind of thing, which is supposed to be. But it's like it's inherently a little bit funny because it's Squidward. This makes it so much funnier so in um <laughs> there's an there was an episode of spongebob a few years ago that had a few references to squidward suicide it would like really? it essentially had squidward looking like he was about to kill himself a bunch of times he was real depressed and then he would like it would cut to him his head in the oven and then he just pulled something out of it kind of thing and then i think there's something with a noose as well but there was an episode of spongebob squarepants last year called spongebob in random land which is uh where spongebob and squid would go to a world where where things are a bit silly um and they don't really they follow the rules of logic um in this there's a moment where they come across like this massive um like field full of doors and this like wall of doors and squidward opens a bunch of them and the first couple it's like just squidward rendered really strangely um and then in like the third door he opens it's his bedroom um and he's like oh sweet and then it cuts to static and like a a nickelodeonified version of this image pops up and like flashes on the screen um can you send it to us yeah i'm sending it i just sent it then what do you reckon jess it's loading Oh, oh shit. So yeah, like like SpongeBob that is I feel like that is scarier than the original image. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's the accentuated uh this one's in color. It's it's accentuated um kind of the size of it. Um but yeah, like this is this is like a jump scare in the episode almost. Um and uh the episode that was actually censored in 
the UK and replaced with just like a shot of like a um a live action baby that's coloured with um Squidward skin colour and um but it has like a cartoon Squidward face. But the um the like director of the episode or, or whoever it was um was like yeah it's pretty pretty funny that it was um censored like. Very cool. All right. Well, I'm just going to grab my glass of water. Just a second. I think it was an interesting juxtaposition between SpongeBob and the dead kids. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, the the juxtaposition AJ between SpongeBob and the dead children. <laughs> yep, we're cutting this. What do you think? Pretty crazy. Dude, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. What is it? Getting, getting killed? That's pretty crazy, man. It would suck. It would suck. All right. Well, speaking of getting killed, um, the second creepy pasta we're going to look at today is called Dead Bart. <laughs> uh, this is a creepy pasta about the Simpsons. So let's jump into it, guys. You ready? Yes. I'm ready. Sorry, I just had to recover emotionally from Squidward's suicide. Mm. I was considering doing an I'm ready Spongebob gig, but I moved past it. <laughs> I'm ready, I'm ready. Thank you for giving me that, Jess. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. You know how Fox has a weird way of counting Simpsons episodes? No. <laughs> well, let me explain. They refuse to count a couple of them, making the amount of episodes inconsistent. The reason for this is a lost episode from season one. Does that sound one. fucking familiar to something else? <laughs> what was your 100th franchise again who knows <laughs> it was the Santa Claus we, this is, we accidentally skipped Cinderella story. Dead Bart is the Cinderella story of the Simpsons <laughs> finding details about this missing episode is difficult no one who was working on the show at the time likes to talk about it from what has been pieced together the lost episode was written entirely by Matt Groening during production of the first season, Matt started to act strangely. He was getting massages on Jeffrey Epstein's island. That's not the story, quiet. it's just a thing that happened. <laughs> he seemed nervous and morbid. Allegedly. Mentioning this to anyone who was present results in them getting very angry and forbidding you to ever mention it to Matt. I first heard of it in an event where David Silverman was speaking. Someone in the crowd asked about the episode and Silverman simply left the stage, ending the presentation hours early. The episode's production number was 7G06 and the title was Dead Bart. The episode labelled 7G06, Moaning Lisa, was made later and given Dead Bart's production code to hide the latter's existence. In addition to getting angry, asking anyone who is on the show about this will cause them to do everything they can to stop you from directly communicating with Matt Groening. At a fan event, I managed to follow him after he spoke to the crowd and eventually had a chance to talk to him alone as he was leaving the building. He didn't seem upset that I had followed him, probably expected a typical encounter with an obsessive fan. When I mentioned the lost episode though, all colour drained from his face and he started trembling. And he literally turned black and white. When I asked him if he could tell me any details, he sounded like he was on the verge of tears. He grabbed a piece of paper, wrote something on it, and handed it to me. He begged me never to mention the episode again. And that's the end of... No. Um, <laughs> the piece of paper had a website address on it. 
I would rather not say what it was for reasons you'll see in a second. I entered the address into my browser and I came to a site that was completely black except for a line of yellow text, a download link. I clicked on it, it was in and that a Simpsons font. Frankiac? Yeah. <laughs> I clicked on it and a file started downloading. Once the file was downloaded, my computer went crazy. It was the worst virus I had ever seen. System restore didn't work. The entire computer had to be rebooted. Before doing this, though, I copied the file onto a CD. I tried to open it on my now-empty computer, and as I suspected, there was an episode of The Simpsons on it. The episode started off like any other episode, but had very poor quality animation. If you've seen the original animation for Some Enchanted Evening, which I presume is a Tracy Ullman short. No, that's the one with um, the Mrs. Botts, the babysitting bandit. Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, it, it was, they sent it to Korea to be animated, and then it came back and it was like oh, this yeah. real Looney Tunes kind of like, they slammed the door and the door kind of like wobbles in place. Uh, very accentuated, and it was like, but then they were like, this is not at all what we want it's supposed to not feel like a cartoon it's just animated um right. and so if you watch that episode they redid all but like a couple of minutes of it and so you can still see some kind of weird the walls warp in a weird way and things like that this is this is a creepier creepypasta than dead bart i think <laughs> you're telling me now um so it was similar but less stable the first act was fairly normal but the way the characters acted was a little off homer seemed angrier marge seemed depressed lisa seemed anxious bart seemed to have genuine anger and hatred for his parents the episode was about the simpsons going on a plane trip near the end of the first act the plane was taking off Bart was falling around as you'd expect, however as the plane was about 50 feet off the ground, Bart broke a window on the plane and was sucked out. At the beginning of the series, it probably Matt wouldn't happen if you're only 50 feet in the air. Yeah, that's true. At the beginning I mean, of the series... Like, like, aren't you like... Oh, no. Make sure yeah. you put that in parentheses when you copy and paste it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean like 50 feet <laughs> is just like how high you are up when you're in an airplane yeah. that's on the ground. It's not that high. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the series Matt had an idea that the animated style of the Simpsons world represented life and that death turned things more realistic this was used in this episode the picture of Bart's corpse was barely recognisable they took full advantage of it not having to move and made it an almost photorealistic drawing of his dead body Act 1 ended with the shot of Bart's corpse. When Act 2 started, Homer, Marge and Lisa were sitting at their table crying. The crying went on and on. It got more pained and sounded more realistic. Better acting than you would think possible. The animation started to decay. <laughs> Better acting. That's so funny. Like, I've seen Daniel Day-Lewis. Like <laughs> The best performance I've ever seen is Dan Castellaneta as Homer Simpson. And from, from dead a, Bart. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I actually didn't think it was possible. <laughs> Michael Sheen and anything. <laughs> the the animation started to decay even more as they cried, and you could hear murmuring in the background. The characters could not could the characters could barely be made out. They were stretching and blurring. They looked like deformed shadows with random bright colours thrown on them. There were faces looking in the window, flashing in and out, so you're never sure what they really looked like. The crying went on for all of Act Two. 
Act 3 opened with the title card saying one year had passed. Homer, Marge and Lisa were skeletally thin and still sitting at the table. There was no sign of Maggie or the pets. They decided to visit Bart's grave. Springfield was completely deserted and as they walked to the cemetery, the houses became more decrepit. They all looked abandoned. When they got to the grave, Bart's body was just lying in front of its tombstone, looking just like it did at the end of Act 1. The family started crying again. Eventually they stopped and just stared at Bart's body. The camera zoomed in on Homer's face. According to summaries, Homer tells a joke at this part, but it isn't audible in the version I saw. You can't tell what Homer is saying. The view zoomed out as the episode came to a close. The tombstones in the background had the names of every Simpson guest star on them. Some that no one had heard of in 1989, some that haven't been on the show yet. All of them had death dates on them. For guests who died since, like Michael Jackson and George Harrison, the dates were when they would die. The credits were completely silent and seemed handwritten. The final image was of the Simpsons family on their couch, like in the intros, but all drawn in hyper-realistic, lifeless style of Bard's corpse. A thought occurred to me after seeing the episode for the first time. You could try to use the tombstones to predict the death of living Simpsons guest stars, but there is something odd about most of the ones who haven't died yet. All of their deaths are listed as the same date. Oh. Implying some kind of apocalyptic event, I guess. It's just um the end of Kingsman where all the like powerful celebrities have their heads exploded. Now, what's that Nick Cage one where it's like 33 and then they realise yeah, that it means EE and it's everyone else. <laughs> wank, wank. Um, I, I, I really like that as an ending. I think that's real funny. But um, yeah, Jess, what do you think of that episode? I thought it was great. Yeah. I'm thoroughly spooked. Mm. I'm almost, yeah. Too spooked? Too spooked. I'm crying right now, man. Oh my god, she is. Her eyes okay. are more realistic. Better than CGI, but not quite real. <laughs> it's funny how, like, that that seems to be the one thing that the internet must agree is, like... It's a through line. ...is that, scary. Yeah. Is, mm. is realistic animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the Uncanny Valley, right? I think a lot of creepypastas are just describing the Uncanny Valley. Mm. Yeah. I liked yeah. it, man. That's good. Okay. It's, it's funny that it's like the 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 death date thing and the tombstones is like such a strange addition to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, it takes it from being a, a relatively feasible urban legend to like... A straight up horror movie that's probably not real. <laughs> yeah. I just love like picturing the person that's writing it as you're reading it and them like being like, Oh yeah, oh yeah, this is so scary, man. Oh <laughs> shit, yeah, I'm the best at this. <laughs> yeah. That's it's that's nice. real spooky. Masculine mm. egos. I agree. <laughs> Alright. So I've got one more to go to read you guys, but do did we want to look at a classic, a short classic before we did? How short? How Absolutely, classic. love a good short classic. Um, it's like a sentence long. <laughs> okay. All right. This is this is um. This is this is how it goes. Okay, so basically it's like this. You are at a friend's house for like the night or whatever and then you guys are making out on the couch. Yeah. And then like her dad calls on the phone and says, no, I, she likes it more if you use the other hand. Yeah. And you're like, oh, dude, your dad is trying to give me advice on how to diddle you. And then she's like, I don't have a dad or whatever. But what? 
Who was phone? <laughs> Dad, who was phone? <laughs> that's the classic. Ten out of ten. Ten. Best creepy pastor of all time. One. Who was phone, man? We'll never know. We may never know. All right, so this one is going to be probably as long as the episode has been so far, um, but it's it is my favourite creepy pasta, and I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, it's called a Nazi's Goat Man story, um, and there's a bit of multimedia involved in it, which I'll either send to you or just say you know that thing and you'll go yeah 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 and then i'll just drop it in the episode edit itself um <laughs> okay it was told originally on 4chan it's what's called a green text story where in green text people would write in bullet points you know you know what i'm talking about it'd be like yeah. be, be me be 16 years old get yeah. my first boner yeah exactly then who was bone <laughs> Um, it's it's that for the first little bit, and then it stops being a green text story. So when the line "I'm going to stop green texting" happens, just context, you'll know what that means. Okay. <laughs> it means he's stopped doing it in bullet points. All right. Yeah. But here we go. I have read this story multiple times aloud to people because multiple I'm, times aloud to me. Yeah, I. And, and I, I, we, we, I we had to make a podcast it. for you to actually get me to pay attention for once. <laughs> I deeply enjoy it, and I think it's a good, good, fun time, um, okay. and it's very scary. So, if it is night time where you are, turn off all the lights and prepare to be turn all the lights some, up. No. Get some people around. <laughs> all right, here's this is how it starts. Here's my story. Be sixteen, be black, and have family down in Alabama. They farm and own a huge amount of land in Huntsville. Uncle owns a big house and a bunch of trailers they put out in the woods for hunting or camping. Down south, cousins suggest that we go out there to camp. No, I'm a city kid from Chicago, so they tease the shit out of me. Collect food, kill a pig and some chickens, and bring necessities to camp out for a few days. We get to the camp, and it's obvious something is weird. Air has this weird electric smell like right before a storm, like ozone. We think nothing of it and unpack and go down to a little creek to swim for a few hours. All of a sudden, some older white guy and a white teenager come out of the bushes. He has a shotgun on the crook of his arm and he says hello and asks us what we're doing this far back in the woods. Tell him about my uncle, who he knows, and say we're camping out. He tells us we need to be real careful out here and stick together. There was a big animal in the woods. His son, who is my age, asks if he can stay and hang out with us. He says okay. I'm going to stop green texting because this story is fairly long and the format is harder to write it. So, we end up all playing football, dicking around with me. There's the white kid Tanner, five of my cousins, and then four of their friends. In total, there were five girls and six boys. We were all around 15 to 17. We end up just dicking the day away. Says dicking quite a few times in this story, I think. That's good. I love, <laughs> I love that. Um, so we head back to the camp and, and pulling out some stuff for a campfire, even though the trailers both had kitchenettes. Tanner says that his family's property sits up against my uncle's. He wants to run home and ask his dad if he can come camping out with us. My cousin Rooster says he's going to go with him since it's going to get dark soon. One of the girls also wants to tag along. It's about 7 o'clock and it's starting to get pretty dark. They take flashlights and take the trail road towards Tan's property. The rest of us chill, we make s'mores, drink and kiss on the girls. Yeah. Uh, 
about 30 or 40 minutes later, there's the smell of ozone again. You could smell it over the smell of the fire we had started. This really nasty, coppery smell, like right after you've had a nosebleed and it stopped. It wasn't exactly like dried blood, but it was that nasty, metallic, back-of-your-throat smell. I'm familiar. We immediately think that it's some kind of electrical malfunction, or someone left a hot plate on or some shit. We search the trailers, and nothing is on. And we can all smell it. All of a sudden, we can hear people booking down the path towards us, and Rooster, Tan, and the girl all come running into the clearing out of breath. And Why they doesn't don't even... the girl have a name? Like, they've named the guys, but she's just the girl. I think he doesn't know her. He can't remember her name. Because this is a real story, Jess. Oh, yeah. okay. This okay. is just a forum post. Um, and they don't even break stride. They all run into the trailer right by where the fire is. We all get the fuck out of there and into the trailers. They end up calming down. Even Rooster is crying his fucking eyes out at this point. All the while the fire is guttering lower and lower, so my other cousin says fuck it and are about to go outside to get the generator out of a shed between the trailers. Tanner goes, fuck no, lock the front door, ain't nobody else going outside. He's been crying too and his eyes are bloodshot and puffy and his pants are dirty as shit. I don't think he shit his pants, but his pants are dirty. And they're so dirty that they're comparative to shit. Yeah. He goes on to tell us that they went up to his house. His father said sure he could go out camping, but to make sure they were careful on the way back and that maybe they should take one of the hunting rifles just in case. Evidently, Tanner had seen something in their yard a few days before. One of their pigs had come up, ripped and half-eaten. They assumed it was some big cats or coyotes, even though they don't usually fuck with live animals. He had gone upstairs and packed his stuff, and told his dad they would be okay without a rifle because coyotes avoid people. So they started walking back towards where we were camping. So Rooster finally stops crying and shaking. The girl already had, but she was just staring out the window with a dumb look on her face. He says they had gotten halfway into the woods towards the camp when they started to hear shit in the forest. It was almost pitch black by this time, so they weren't sure at first what the fuck it was. The girl says that she heard something in the bushes right off the trail and they all beamed their flashlights over there and there was someone standing back in the woods in a little hollow. Rooster said they shouted at him and told him that he was scaring the fuck out of them and what a dick he was. He says that's when he realised the guy was facing away from them. So, they keep walking and they start smelling the nasty coppery ozone smell. They say that they look off into the forest on the opposite side and it's a dude standing in the forest backwards slightly closer to the path. So now they start power walking and Tan keeps going, I should have taken the fucking rifle. As they're telling the story, the smell is still super strong even inside the cabin. They say that after they started walking faster, a kind of low gibbering had started coming out from both sides of the wood. And as they started booking her back to the trailer, the girl said she had flashed her flashlight out into the woods to the side of them and had seen something jerking itself through the woods. The gibbering just got louder and louder, and when they could see the light from our campfire, something had come out of the woods about 40 yards behind them onto the track, and they had just flat out ran as hard as they could towards the trailer. So we're out in the fucking woods, and we're assuming at this point it's some rednecks or some shit trying to fuck with us. 
all of a sudden my other cousin junior starts going on about how he went to school with this native kid that was talking to him about the goat man or some shit we promptly tell him to shut the fuck up because we don't need any spooky talk right now but he just keeps going on and on about how it's the fucking goat man and how we're in his woods and blah blah blah. Now at the time I'd never heard of the goat man or any of that but then a couple of years ago, the year before I graduated college, I had a minom for a roommate and I ended up asking him about it. And to sum it up, it's basically a fucking man with the head of a goat and he can shapeshift and he gets among groups of people to terrorize them. It's also supposed to be kind of like the Wendigo and it's bad mojo to even talk about it and even mojo, worse. Mojo, baby. <laughs> Sorry to break up an uninterrupted um, part. If he can shapeshift, why does he keep the, the head of a goat? He's got the head of a goat and the arm of a goat and the body of a goat. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, he's completely a goat. One for the Auntie Donna fans out there. Shall I continue? You may. I'm getting so into this. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's the only time a girl's ever said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, I didn't know any of this back when I was 16. So my cousin is going, the goat man's going to get in and fucking get us. The girls are all terrified and my cousins and I are all fucking trying to figure out if... <laughs> my cousins and I are all fucking trying to figure out if it's just... <laughs> that's poorly. If it's just some hillbillies or if it's some animal. So all of a sudden, the smell just goes away. Like to this day, I haven't experienced anything like it. Like usually smells fade away or lessen. It literally was just there one second and then not the next second. So it's after... So it's after an hour making it nine or ten. We've stopped shitting bricks enough to go back outside and stoke the fire again. We figure it's just some assholes trying to fuck with us so we don't go back home because we think if we do, they'll chase us through the woods or some crazy shit. Nothing else weird happens that night, and we stay another night, and for the main part of the night, nothing happens. <laughs> it's a strange sentence. Yeah. Read, <laughs> read that again. Nothing else weird happens that night, and we stay another night, and for the main part of the night, nothing happens. <laughs> so it was the pair of a, 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 um, what's it called? When it's the kayak, race car. Oh, palindrome. Palindrome. At about one in the morning, we're outside getting drunk and telling ghost stories. As someone is finishing some too spooky story, I don't remember what about, the smell comes back. It's so fucking strong that one of the girls literally starts vomiting. I stand up and you can actually feel how clammy the air is. I say we should get inside and this isn't right. We should have just fucking left. We all go back inside and we're standing around. My cousin just keeps going on and on about how it's the goat man and my cousin Rooster tries to shut him the fuck up and all the while I'm just feeling that something is wrong and I can't figure out what the fuck it is. We end up sitting in there for a while. The smell is just as strong and we're terrified and all huddled in this camper. We end up cooking brats for everyone because nobody wants to go outside. It's one of those packs with four brats. We have a total of three packs. I grill them up on the stove and give everyone a hot dog. I get mine. After a while, one of my cousins gets up to go and goes over to the pot to get another one. He starts grumbling about how I get two brats and everyone else only got one. I look at him like he's fucking stupid. I tell him everybody only got one because there were only 12 brats. If he wants more, he should just open up a new pack and cook some more. 
That's when the girl that had been out with Rooster and Tan just starts screaming. Oh Jesus, oh Lord, get it out! She's crying and shivering, and then it dawns on my cousin standing up, what the fuck is wrong? Me and him both glance around the room and I feel my heart fucking sink. I run out of the cabin and the girl runs out with us. The trailer door is banging against the side of the trailer as everyone books it out of the cabin. One of my cousin's friends asks what the fuck is wrong. I started counting us. There's only 11 now. I shit you not, my cousin verified, there had been 12 people in the cabin. But being that everybody didn't know each other really well, nobody had really noticed the whole fucking time that there was an extra person. And then I realised earlier that I kind of noticed something was off. You know how when you're just dicking around, having a good time, and you don't sweat the smallest shit, and you don't have to keep track of certain stuff? I'm dead sure that someone else had been in the trailer with us, and that they were there for at least a fucking day, eating with us... What makes it worse is I couldn't figure out which one because I don't think anyone had actually interacted with the other person slash the goat man. The girl kept praying to Jesus and we're all sitting outside. Eventually we get big ass sticks and go back into the cabin and there's nobody in there. We count again and there's 11 people. We go into the trailer and lock the door. We explain what the fuck happened and the girl said that she realised too and that when she was about to say something, a person next to her grabbed her leg hard and leaned over towards her and started saying something she couldn't understand. So we are pretty much scared as fuck as we huddle together and I fall asleep. When I wake up, the sun is just coming up and half the people are asleep and the other half are packing our shit up. We all want to walk back home, but like four people want to stay until the sun is all the way up, and some people think that we're just fucking around and still want to stay at the trailers. I just want to get out of the fucking woods. The girl's name was Kira, the one that the goat man had touched. There you go, Jess. Thank you. Anyway, I asked her if she really thinks it was something bad, and she says she wants to go home, and she doesn't want to be out here in the woods alone for another night. So we decide to split up. The four that want to go can go, but I have to stay because I have the keys to the cabin and it's my uncle's and I have to lock it up. I'm super pissed about it at this point because I feel like people just aren't taking this shit seriously and I definitely didn't want to be out in the woods for another night. I spend the rest of the day trying to convince the rest of the people, now four girls and four guys, to get the fuck out of Dodge. Tanner leaves with them to go get the rifle and he says he's going to be back. So there are just seven of us left by 4pm. At around 5pm he hasn't made it back yet and we're getting extremely fucking antsy and the only reason I stopped begging them to go back was because he went to get the gun. It's about 5.30pm or so when the one cousin that did stay says that the girl Kira is outside. We all look outside and sure enough she's standing by the fire pit with her back to the cabin. I'm thinking to myself, if she was so fucking scared why the hell would she come back? And then I get this nasty feeling in my gut. Keep in mind this whole time, the coppery smell has been gone. Now I realise I can smell just a twinge of it. I say this to the rest of them, and these are the people that wanted to stay in the fucking woods after we had the goddamn goat man in our midst, is laughing at me and asking if I set this up to scare them. <laughs> you're laughing! There's a goat man in our midst and you're laughing! <laughs> I'm looking at them like, I'm not fucking bullshitting you at all right now. I asked them why the fuck would I play like that. So one girl goes outside to get Kira. She gets halfway to her and stops cold. Kira starts heaving. I don't know how the fuck to describe it. Sort of like if someone with their back turned to you was laughing without actually making any sound. It was this fact that made me realise that there was not a fucking sound in the whole woods. It was dead silent. This was like in late September, so it's fairly hot at the time, but it was super chilly some days too, and you could usually hear big ass geese honking or some <laughs> kind of birds or squirrels chit chatting. <laughs> big ass geese. 
<laughs> so I step out the door and tell her to come back to the fucking trailer right goddamn now. She backs up to the trailer and we lock the fucking door. We pull down the shades except one and put a guy there in a chair to watch her. She stands there for another 20 minutes or so. The guy turns to say she's still there and then there's this huge fucking bang on the door. We all jump up and start scrambling around the living room of the trailer. The banging is super fucking loud. So now my cousin is holding one of the girls and the other two are kind of giggling with nervous laughter and me and the other two guys are shitting bricks. Then we hear Tan. He's screaming, Let me the fuck in! Stop fucking playing! So we go over to the door and open it and he stumbles in with a rifle. There's nobody else outside. Evidently, he had walked up to the campsite. Nothing weird happened in the forest, but he had seen a girl. Mind you, he said it was not Kira standing there. When he had gotten to the edge of the clearing, she had turned to him with the slack-jawed look and just stared him down, slowly tracking him as he walked around the outside of the clearing towards the camp. He said it wasn't until he was almost halfway to the trailer that he realised that she was getting closer to him. She had started off by the fire and without him even seeing her move, she had been turning, inching closer. He said he just ran the rest of the way back to the cabin thinking it would open. And when he got to the door and it was locked, he turned around and saw it was about half the distance to the door. He looked around the room and gets super pale. He pulls me to the side and whispers in my ear, you know there are only seven of us in here, right? And I get the feeling where your stomach drops to your nuts. It had been back inside the trailer while we were sorting out who was going where, and then when we all went outside to talk earlier in the day, it had just slipped right back in. We looked out the window and there was nobody there. So we recount everyone and then basically I go over and ask everyone how many people were here earlier. Everybody says eight. I say, well, how many are here now? They all do a count and realize that there were now only seven people in the cabin. So Tanner brought back a couple of boxes of ammo and his rifle and he had told his dad that there was some kind of animal in the forest because he didn't think his dad would believe him if he said it was Goatman. He says that his cousin is supposed to be coming down in a few hours and that in the morning we can all go back to his place and his cousin will drive us home. Now I'm really fucking terrified but I at least feel better because we can go be American and shoot the fuck out of whatever it is if it comes back. But then my cousin gets into this huge argument with one of the girls because she thinks that I'm trying to be funny and prank them and she's getting really scared and that I'm not funny. He keeps telling her I'm not the kind of person and she says well how do we know the girl wasn't just Tanner in a wig or if it's really the goat man how do we know this is the real Tanner and that goat man didn't kill Tanner in the woods and take his gun. So we fucking get into this huge argument about this where me and Tanner are like we could seriously be in danger because at the very least someone has been sneaking themselves into our fucking trailer without us knowing and mingling with us and at worst something bad is in the forest fucking with us. One of the girls is crying saying she wants to go back right now and we're all trying to tell her we shouldn't because none of us were walking through the woods in the middle of the night. At this point the sun is starting to go down and it's getting a little cloudy out. We heard something and turned the radio on for a while, but we can't really get a station out there with anything decent. So we turn it off at about that time that Tan's cousin shows up. He was like 19, I think. At this point, the sun is just barely over the horizon, and he has one of those heavy-duty flashlights and another rifle. He walks up to the trailer, and we whisper to Tan, asking if he's sure it's his cousin, and he says yes. The guy looks behind him and all around the camp. He walks in. He kind of glances at all of us and looks a little confused. He says, Where's your other little buddy at? I figured she would meet me up at the cabin. Is she a little slow or something? He also asked whether we had been cooking blood in the cabin because it smelled like blood and hot pans all the way up the trail. And we're like, fucking nope. 
But we ask him what the fuck he's talking about with the girl he saw. He'd come down the same trail Tan had been using and had come across one of you guys' buddies standing in the middle of the trail looking at him slack-jawed. He had asked her a bunch of questions but all she did was just look at him. Then she smiled at him and he said she kept walking. She couldn't seem to keep up with him and kept lagging a little behind him. He said he asked her if she was hurt or something and if she needed any help but she just continued to stare. Eventually he had been walking and turned around a bend in the trail but when he turned around and went back to see if she was okay the trail was empty. He just assumed she had taken some sort of shortcut through the woods to our trailer. We tell him the whole story of what's been going on. I half expected him to say we're full of shit but he just listened and sat down on the couches in the living room. Tanner's cousin gets back to the girl. He says that when she kept trying to lag behind him, it had kind of weirded him the fuck out, so he had tried to keep her in front of him, but no matter how slow he walked, she was always lagging a little behind. And that he smelled this nasty smell, and it got stronger as he got to the camp. Eventually it got really strong. She had said something really low that he didn't catch, and when he turned around she had been right the fuck up on him, and he stepped back from her. It was at this point he asked her if she was okay and if she wasn't him to carry her back the rest of the way and she just kept staring. He said he reached out for her as if to grab her on the shoulder but he must have misjudged the distance because he was off to the side of where he had put his hand like she had moved while he was looking dead at her. So at this point we know this shit's real unless Tan is playing a joke which we can tell is not because he's almost pissing his pants. So they load up their rifles, we eat some more, and we just kind of sit around until about 11. So this fucking day, every time I think about this, I really pray to God that it was just some huge prank that my cousin played on me and just never revealed so I would shit myself for the rest of my life. At around 11, the stink of copper turns into an actual nasty, gross blood-like smell, like cooking blood and singed hair. Tan and his cousin Reese get the fuck up and instantly grab the rifles. People seem to think that cooking blood is a fairly reasonable or common activity. Yeah, it's like this ubiquitous experience. Yeah. They have all had. You guys cooking blood? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so Chick and Jess is still awake, lying on the bed, having just complained of a bad sleep. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm into this. Thank okay. You. There's like a half knocking, half clawing at the door. And I shit you not, there's this voice... And it sounds like when you see those YouTube cats and dogs whose owners teach them how to talk. It says in this halting, weirdly toned voice, Let me the fuck in. Stop fucking playing. Can you do it in a cat or a dog voice? <laughs> this is how I imagine it would be. Let me the fuck in. Stop fucking playing. <laughs> It made my fucking nuts creep up my body. And one of the girls just starts crying and calling on Jesus. It was so fucking obviously not a person talking. It didn't have the right cadence. And that's some shit I never realised until that moment. But all people have a certain cadence when they talk. No matter what language, all people have a certain kind of rhythm to talking. This shit didn't have any kind of cadence or rhythm. One of those YouTube cats... That's what the fuck it sounded like outside the door. So now I'm in full-on terror mode. We keep yelling outside, who is it? Stop fucking around, man. And I just keep saying, in, or let me the fuck in, for almost 15 minutes. And then he links off to the Olong Johnson video of the cat talking, um, which I'll put in the, the video in the, in the podcast now. 
This is so funny. <laughs> that, is, that would be pretty creepy to fucking hear you. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because it's saying it's just a cute little cat. It's <laughs> it's <laughs> saying <laughs> the exact line that Tanner said when he ran up to the door as well. So it's like mm. mimicking what it's already heard. It sounded like this almost, just not funny. Sorry for being on a tangent, but if you can't imagine how the shit sounded, you can't imagine how fucked up this whole situation was. So then the smell goes away for a while, and for the next hour or so, you can hear someone basically creeping around the woods and shit. Every couple minutes it'll come back into the door and say something. Finally, when the smell fades away, it's around 2 in the morning right now. Reese says, man, fuck this, and opens the door and walks out with his rifle. He fires a shot into the air and says something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus Christ, go away. He fires two more times, and then from the woods, right up against the river across the trailer, it sounds like something is slowly gibbering and hooting. It starts screaming, and it sounds almost like a woman and a cat in a bag screaming together. Like, I seriously have never heard any shit like that. And you can hear the brush over that way start to shake. Reese fires over into the tree line and then starts backing up into the house. We lock the door and we can hear the shit keening and screaming. Reese says something had come out of the bushes, super low to the ground and crawling towards the cabin. He had shot at it. Pretty much that was how the rest of the night went. It was literally screaming constantly for the next two hours and we could hear shit moving out into the tree line. But it never came back up to the cabin until everyone had finally fallen asleep. Tan had been sitting in the chair watching the door with his rifle. Nobody else heard this or saw this, but he told me two days later after the whole thing was over. He said he'd been nodding off after the screaming and noises finally stopped, and he had almost been asleep when he saw someone come out of the bathroom and then lay down in the middle of the floor and go to sleep. He just assumed it was one of us, and he nodded off. Then he said he kind of realised something was wrong, and while pretending to be sleeping, he counted us. There were nine people in the cabin. He basically didn't want to try shoot the fucking thing in the cabin and have it kill us all then and there, or have Reese wake up and start shooting and then we kill ourselves. So he just stayed awake all night, pretending to be asleep. He said sometimes it would stand up and kind of do this weird jittery thing, or heave like it was laughing, but then it would lay back down. The story closes pretty weak because from my perspective nothing happened. We woke up and I noticed that Tam was a little jittery and that he was avoiding looking at all of us, but we ate some breakfast, packed up and started walking to his house. He stayed last in the cabin and said he'd lock up and bring me my uncle's keys to just start walking and catch up, which I didn't really want to fucking do. We got a little bit up the path and he came running up. Basically we had jogged back to his house. His cousin took us home. There was a window in the bathroom. Tan had gone back to lock up and looked in there. We were too stupid to lock a screenless window. The window was fucking up when he went in there. I'm guessing it had been doing that all along, waiting for us to fall asleep or slip up and then getting in among us. It walked with us all the goddamn way back to his house, and then he said it lagged to the back of the group 
and looked him dead in the eyes before slowly walking into the woods. That's it. Dude. It's <sighs> pretty good. Interesting. So it's essentially just a, a um, story-length version of the game Among Us. Did you and catch like, that too? Yeah. That it ends with a title bomb of, and then getting in, in Among Us. Mm. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, um, yeah, man. Do you want to break down why that's your favourite? I so I really like that. Um, it's written, it's written quite poorly, or it's written yeah. well, but like disguised as written poorly, yeah, and yeah. that gives a level of authenticity to it. Like as you start reading it, it does just feel like a comment, right? Yeah. It's just some. It's like a Reddit reply, you know. Hmm. Um, and. I love there's a part in it at the start where he talks about how like he didn't know what the goat man was but a few years ago he he had a men on roommate and so like from the first part of the story you you are told that he makes it out alive mm. Mm. and it's like well of course he did he's telling the story like there's no effort done to preserve any kind of tension which gives it this authenticity to it um, and, and as well as like linking off to YouTube videos and things like that um, and the fact that it ends kind of on a down buzz it's like well but but therefore not ending on a down buzz right um yeah i, th- I think I, it's I, very well well uh crafted to feel like it's a very real story i the um the the, the guy staying awake and mm. seeing this thing like stand up and do this jittery thing that's terrifying um, yeah. But the the real uh, terrifying thing is is kind of the lack of any kind of uh, climax. I mean, it kind of yeah. does, but like I felt like it felt like it needed one final twist that like he was the goat man or something like that. I think the the twist of him getting in through the window and dry heaving in the night is the, one of the scariest things I've ever read. So I think that that qualifies oh, yeah. for a, for a climax for me. Yeah, I guess just kind of what I un, what I like understand of like these kind of stories and like the um, the dead Bart, like how that has that final line that's like they all have the same date. I needed the uh, they all have the same right. date. There's there's a famous one I read once. One of the most like famous creepy pastas is called Pause, and it's the story of like a guy watching his sister get routinely beaten up by their dad and then at the end the last line of it is like they closed the door on me i can't get in i look down at my paws there's nothing i can do and it's like he's been a dog the whole time nice. so there's things Nothing like creepier that. than a dog that's what i always say but how would the dog tell the story then who was narrator <laughs> <laughs> well what's that nickelodeon show that's like Ch- charlie with a it's a dog that has a blog Maybe it's just called Dog with a Blog. I think it's called Dog with a Blog. I thought you were going to say, like, are you afraid of the dark? Or yeah. Like... <laughs> I think it's literally called Dog with a Blog. Wait, is there a show called Dog with a Blog? I think so. Oh, my God, I've never heard of this. So, this is, like, very current Nickelodeon, right. isn't it? Oh, 2012 like... to 2015, and it's uh, Disney Channel. Oh, my bad. Dog with a blog. Oh my god, that's amazing. Dog with a blog. Dog with a blog. <laughs> well, this has been um, a very spooky opening to our podcast. We, yeah, it's a very this um, is, unique podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, not not the same as we usually do. And I like how it it's really more of an speaks. Audiobook. 
yeah yeah it really speaks i think to the power of that story that the intention was like i'll read you guys a scary story and you'll make fun of it but it's just so captivating that we just like <laughs> paid attention the whole time you know yeah yeah, yeah i totally didn't zone out mm. <laughs> I was just, um no i didn't i didn't i was loving it, it. Was very um I like I can understand Richard like what you're saying about needing uh, climax, but I think I tend to agree more with AJ that how it just seems to fizzle out, and like the way in the style that it's written is makes it a lot more like grounded. Because in yeah. real life, you don't get closure to these sorts of things. Yeah, it, yeah. When, like when you actually encounter a goat man in real life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I've, I've, had, not... I've had creepy experiences that I've never understood hmm. the truth behind you know uh, I, yeah I think it's just like yeah maybe it's more like uh, urban legends and storytelling you like I don't know just one final line that was like and then I looked in the mirror and I had a fucking goat head you know oh my god there is a final line Richard I'll just read it now <laughs> please read the commenting policy before commenting oh, oh shit man dun, that was a closure dun, I needed dun, Please log in to post a comment on this wiki. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Let us know what you if you enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe this can be something people want more of. I don't know what time of year we would do it, but if if creepy pastas are something people enjoy us reading, maybe people we can share some in the Discord, which everyone should join. And we can just we, we should just do like a series of audiobooks. Um, uh, release on 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 Halloween night. We can do a, um, a special episode, maybe a Patreon exclusive. Ooh. Just send us your favourite um, creepypastas. A live stream. A live stream. <laughs> we should do a live stream midnight campfire read. Midnight quaddery of Sinister Intruders. Um, exactly. The, uh, just because I pulled up the, the Goatman story as well. Um, just look at the comments. Uh, here's my, uh, so there's... Holy fucking Jesus, this scared the living dog shit out of me. Just a phrase. I don't have or eat dog shit, by the way. Um, well, this one, this is how it's written. Not try it be racist, but in the movie, the black man dies first. Has this group never seen a scary moive before? They are just the narrow tour-eyed black bulk boy run. What? very cool that very is very spooky the, that the should spookiest be the cr- thing is illiteracy that should be the, cr- the copy <laughs> right there yeah well hey if you enjoyed this episode then let us know um please like cult popture on all the spooky social media because all social media is spooky because it is correlating your data Woo! um yeah we're on facebook instagram twitter youtube um find us in all those places uh, or you can donate to us on Patreon, as we mentioned before. Um, and, guys, this has been lovely. My voice is very, very hoarse. Very goat. Oh, my God. Wait I was the goat man. There was four man. of us at the start of this podcast. <laughs> um, Jeremy. <yeah. laughs> Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you um, next week for the Blade film franchise. I'm, I usually do better outros than this, but I'm real out of it from, like, reading for so long um we do have a post-credit scene after this um as well so stay tuned for that um any final final thoughts guys as we close out um look i've come to terms with the fact that we're never going to know who was fine 
I'm, I'm prepared to move on. Maybe phone was Goatman. <gasps> there were two phones at the beginning of this. Hello and welcome to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more on our Patreon, you get to give us something to talk about. And Richard, we have got a very spooky uh, post credit scene for a very spooky <laughs> episode we just recorded. Uh, this comes to us from Luke on the Patreon and he says, Would you sleep with the ghost and who is a hot, the hottest ghost? <laughs> Richard, uh, this is something I, I really want to hear what your answer is first. Uh, what, what Would you okay. sleep with a ghost and who is the hottest ghost? Okay, so clearly you we have to just assume that it is possible to sleep with a ghost, right? Um, okay. Because, uh, the, because of the scene in Ghostbusters mm. where um, Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost. A blagé, <laughs> as, as the French say. Yeah, um... Uh, so it's definitely possible. Uh, would I sleep with a ghost? Uh, who knows, really? Um, and maybe the hottest ghost, I don't know, who are hot ghosts? The one that gives Dan Aykroyd a blaget in Ghostbusters? <laughs> Stop saying that. What? you what never about- seen a ghost give a man a blaget before? <laughs> um... Uh, it's not that she does it. It's that it's the shot of Dan Aykroyd going cross-eyed as she does it that that leaves such a lasting impression. <laughs> yeah, it leaves uh, such a nasty taste in your mouth, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Much like a blagé. <laughs> um, there's a movie where um, Kate Beckinsale plays a ghost. Mm-hmm. So I guess that. Well, Richard, I'm going to go a little less heteronormative to you, and I'm going to say Patrick Swayze is the hottest ghost. Yeah, no, sorry, obviously. Patrick Hayes Swayze's character in Ghost <laughs> is the hottest ghost. Yeah, it's like you just pick like, Rebecca Schaefer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just any person who is dead. Um, yeah, um, oh, yeah, I mean, Patrick Swayze, I was going to say. Um, obviously, there's like the, the classic sexy ghost, Patrick Swayze, Casper. Um, <laughs> how it's like obviously you know um uh but there's also um alec baldwin and gina davis and beetlejuice beetlejuice is a, he a ghost a film i famously have not seen neither but i'm not so famous about not having seen it oh ah. assholes <laughs> um yeah let's list more hot ghosts hot ghosts Top five sexiest female ghosts. I'm going to look go. it up. I'm going to look up sexiest ghosts. Uh, oh, spoilers. What? I don't think she's dead for most of the series. Oh, really? Bleep that out. <laughs> the but 14 sexiest ghosts ever. Ripped. More like ripped. Sorry, R-I-P-D. More like ripped. Oh, Ryan Reynolds and R-I-P-D. <laughs> Um, Eva Longoria is a ghost in dead body, over her dead body. Oh. Yep. Um, Daryl Hannah in High Spirits. Um, 
Emma Stone in Ghost of Girlfriends Past. Oh, yeah. Wow, okay. Oh, Just oh, Like Reese, Heaven? Yeah. Reese Witherspoon and Just Like Heaven. That's the answer. Yeah. That's the hottest ghost and definitively the ghost I would sleep with. <laughs> <laughs> what about Moaning Myrtle? They don't no, call her that for nothing. Not. Actually, you know who legit is um, the like possessed Dana Barrett in Ghostbusters? Oh, yeah, S- yeah. Sigourney Weaver and, and that, that outfit is always something I've been... Um, Sexually attracted to, I guess you could say. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Cool. Should, uh, should we just end there? Oh, Chris Rock and Down to Earth. Wait, I thought we would end it there, but then the last one on this list is the the living Casper, and it's Devon Sawa. Oh, but we're just it? like really twelve years old. Can't, <laughs> you can't put that on the list of sexiest ghosts. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> ooh! It's a boy. Gross. No, but it's a little boy. 